Good morning. I'm Arjun Singh from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Monday, March 22nd. In today's news, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin makes an unannounced trip to Afghanistan. And the accused gunman in the Atlanta shootings gets expelled from his church. But first, the big idea. On entering office, President Joe Biden sought to draw a stark contrast between how his administration approached handling the crossing of migrants across the nation's southern border and that of his predecessor. On his first day in office, Biden signed five immigration executive orders and promised to embark on a more humane immigration policy than that of former President Donald Trump. But even as Biden vocally distanced himself from Trump, The reality on the border, which is seeing a consistent flow of migrants from Central America, has left the administration in a politically vulnerable position that Republicans are now exploiting. The Post, Ashley Parker, Nick Miroff, Sean Sullivan, and Tyler Pager report that there are now more than 10,000 unaccompanied migrant children in the care of the Department of Health and Human Services, and 5,000 more in the care of Customs and Border Protection. And Republicans have seized on that uptick of crossings and have blamed the administration's policies, which they say are too favorable to migrants. Among several of the administration's moves on immigration, one notable one has been the decision to allow unaccompanied minors seeking asylum to enter the country. Some argue that policy decision, along with the administration's muddled messaging, have encouraged migrants to try and come to the U.S. in hopes of being met with a more hospitable climate than during the Trump administration. But other factors contributing to the uptick in migrant crossings are out of the administration's control. Deteriorating conditions in Central America had already led to an increasing flow of migrants during the final months of the Trump administration. And in January, Mexican authorities stopped taking in some asylum-seeking families who were expelled from the U.S. due to a Trump-era rule that allowed border authorities to expel asylum-seekers for public health reasons, known as Title 42. As a result, U.S. border agents began accepting parents with children under seven into the country. In an ABC News interview, Biden pushed back on the criticism that migration was increasing because he was, quote, a nice guy, and reiterated his administration's preference that migrants remain in their home nations until the administration can create a better system to process asylum seekers. Yes, I can say quite clearly, don't come over, he said. Don't leave your town or city or community. None of that appears to have dampened political pressure around the issue. My colleague Sungmin Kim reports that on Saturday, a bipartisan group of senators who accompanied Secretary of Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas to the border called on the administration to increase press access to government facilities holding migrant children. In an interview with the Washington Post Saturday, Republican Senator Shelley Moore Capito said that at one facility in El Paso, Texas, more than 100 children are being held in a large room days after they are legally supposed to be transferred out of Customs and Border Protection custody. Joining Capito was Democratic Senator Chris Murphy, who sharply criticized the conditions migrant children were being detained in. You're sleeping on thin mattresses on the floor. They are sort of bunched, you know, about six inches to a foot from each other. We've got to ultimately do better, Murphy said. Responding to some of the criticism on Sunday, Mayorkas defended the administration's border policies and emphasized that the border is closed. The border is closed. We are expelling families. We are expelling single adults, Mayorkas said Sunday, before adding that it was the administration's request that unaccompanied minors do not try and make the journey into the U.S. right now. And that's the big idea. Here are two other stories that should be on your radar. 
Number one. In an unannounced visit, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin arrived in Afghanistan on Sunday, casting a spotlight on the difficulties facing President Biden as he seeks to do what the three presidents before him tried and failed to, withdraw from the war in Afghanistan without allowing conditions in the nation to disintegrate. The Post Dan Lamoth reports that Austin flew into Kabul's international airport before boarding a Black Hawk helicopter to meet with officials that included Afghan President Ashraf Ghani, U.S. diplomat Ross Wilson, and Army General Austin Miller, the top U.S. commander in Afghanistan. Speaking to reporters, Austin said that he hoped to see an end to the war and that there is a lot of energy focused on negotiating an end to it. The trip is the first from the new administration and comes ahead of the May 1st deadline to remove all American troops in Afghanistan that was agreed to in a signed agreement between the Trump administration and the Taliban last year. Currently, 2,500 troops are in Afghanistan, in addition to several hundred more deployed on a short-term basis. Exiting the region poses challenges for the Biden administration. While the deal negotiated by the Trump administration set a date for the removal of troops, it did not require the Taliban to reach a peace agreement with the Afghan government, something the Biden administration hopes can be achieved at a proposed peace summit to be held in April. Afghan President Ghani has agreed to attend if the Taliban's top leader does as well. But while the Biden administration has stated its goal is to end the war, the president has also signaled a willingness to stay in the region past May. In a television interview last week, President Biden said a full withdrawal by May is, quote, tough, and he said he was in the process of making a decision on when troops will leave. And on Friday, the Taliban warned that if the U.S. did not meet its deadline, there will be a reaction. Austin, who helped lead the withdrawal of American forces from Iraq in 2011 under the Obama administration, said the government will be able to satisfy whatever decision Biden ultimately makes. That decision comes with its own political perils. In addition to concerns that the Taliban may overtake the Afghan government, stoking fears of a severe rollback of human rights in the nation, there is a growing bipartisan movement domestically to put an end to what has been dubbed by several, including the president, as a, quote, forever war. Number two. The conservative Baptist church attended by the accused Atlanta gunman Robert Aaron Long expelled him from its congregation yesterday morning. The Post Jonathan Crone, Drew Harwell, and Michelle Yehi Lee report that parishioners of Crab Apple First Baptist Church in Milton, Georgia, voted to remove Long from the church's membership following an hour-long service dedicated to the eight people he is charged with killing. Church members told the Washington Post that Long and his parents regularly attended church services and activities, and on Friday, the church released a statement disowning Long, saying that he alone is responsible for his evil actions and desires which are the, quote, result of a sinful heart and depraved mind for which Aaron is completely responsible. At Sunday's service, Jerry Dockery, the congregation's evangelical pastor, largely ignored Long's stated motivations and focused his sermon on the grief felt by church members that the congregation had been drawn into media coverage of the attack. Right now, there is a bitter pall hanging on the palate of our hearts. Everything is impacted and influenced by what we have experienced this week, and you wonder if it will ever taste sweet again, Dockery said. Long himself has previously cited a theological motivation for his attack, and told the police that the killings were an attempt to eliminate sexual temptation. A former roommate of Long's, Tyler Bayless, said Long had a sex addiction and feared, quote, falling out of the grace of God. Experts this week have said the mentality Bayless described is common within evangelical purity culture, which teaches that sexual desire outside of marriage is sinful and those who fail to control their lust are sometimes considered sex addicts. 
In both 2019 and 2020, Long had spent time at HopeQuest, an evangelical treatment facility in nearby Ackworth, specializing in sex addiction and pornography addiction, as well as gay conversion therapy. The facility is also less than a mile from Young Asian Spa, the site of Long's first attack on Tuesday evening. Long's killing spree has also ignited a national conversation of anti-Asian violence and racism within the country at large that has prompted celebrities, politicians, and even President Biden to weigh in. And in multiple major American cities on Sunday, demonstrations were held calling for an end to violence and hate speech targeting Asian Americans. Several Atlanta-area Korean churches on Sunday also held a service outside of one of the shooting sites to honor the victims of the shootings and denounce anti-Asian racism. This is clearly an act of white supremacy against vulnerable Asian women, Pastor Byung Chul Han of the Korean Central Presbyterian Church said. And that's The Daily 202 for Monday, March 22nd. I'm Arjun Singh. Thanks for listening.